This is Season 7, Episode 11 of Beyond the Illusion, Embracing Humanity with Bill Wallace. In this episode, we have a conversation with Bill Wallace. I feel like I can relate to Bill in many ways. He's been down a similar path as I have and probably so many others out there. He's a corporate professional and brings a unique perspective to the topic of embracing love, compassion, and self-reflection. Bill's spiritual journey, which began with the curiosity about the world and his own existence, took a profound turn when he started receiving direct insights and messages. These messages have guided him in writing several books that offer wisdom and guidance. His ability to balance the demands of the corporate world with his spiritual inclinations have given him a deeper understanding of compassion and the importance of seeing others for who they truly are. Let's go to the conversation with Bill Wallace, Tiana Roser, and Tim Howe. So I'm excited to have Bill today as our guest. I first met Bill, I don't know, a few years ago when he came in for a past life regression. And I was intrigued by the spiritual connection that you have, Bill, as you shared some of your journey and the messages that were coming through to you. And then now, several years later, you came in and had another session and I was able to look up, you've written a number of books and really just the messages that are coming through, I think are so needed on the planet at this time. And I'm so excited to have you today. Maybe you could start off by just telling us a little bit about your spiritual journey. Sure. Thanks. Thanks, Tiana. Thanks, Tim. I guess my spiritual journey is like everyone's in that it's unique right? It's hard to, to define what it looks like. I've been in corporate America for over four decades. Uh, I'm still in corporate America. That's been good to me. It's worked out for me and I enjoy that aspect of my life. I've always had kind of a spiritual leaning and I've been very curious about a number of things. Uh, I've always wanted to know more about what the world is about and I'm about and what this reality looks like. I started to question this early in my life. And when I was young, I got a lot of really kind of odd messages or feelings that I pushed off or shut away because it didn't make sense and they didn't have context in the life that I was living. So I kind of put them aside, but I still carried them with me and then did all the things that people do, get married, have kids, start a career, all the typical uh, things that we become kind of embedded in. And it's all good. I enjoy that part of my life quite a bit, but I've always been a bit curious about the other aspects. And they started coming to me fairly strongly about 10 or 15 years ago uh, and asking me to pay attention to some of the things that I've always wanted to explore. I started getting uh, some messages, some very direct insights. And the more that I paid attention to these things, the more that was offered to me, mainly because I have been working for several years to clear out a lot of my own personal distortions, which I have quite a few of. So I've been on that journey, just kind of trying to see myself who I am and not the masks that I wear for society. And that's been an interesting journey. I think it's interesting for a lot of people as we go through that journey. I found it interesting. And when I started to pull off these various masks and say, who is this person? Who is this guy, Bill, really? What am I doing? What am I trying to find answers for? Some really interesting things started to come true. And the more I got my ego out of the way, and just kind of opened up my heart center and just said, all right, let's just sit with this and see what comes through. The more profound the messages were. And so a few years ago, I was given an impetus to start writing this down. So I've never been an author. I just started writing books and self-published them. My earlier books were a bit rough, but they're very pure. The later books are less out of my own consciousness, and they seem to be more guided by other consciousness. I'll be writing I'll be keyboarding and I'm not really sure what I'm writing. And I'll look down, I've written two or three pages and I read what I have quote written or keyboarded. And I think, wow, that's really good. I'm not sure I wrote that, but <laughs> it's really good. I need to pay attention to that. And one of the things that I've found is interesting is that the things that I write or keyboard are applicable to me as well as other people. I need to pay attention and seek the things that I'm given intellectually into my heart center, into my solar plexus and move from an intellectual understanding into a soul level understanding. And that's kind of the work that I'm doing right now is to take this quote unquote intellectual knowledge and turn it into heartfelt wisdom. And it's a wonderful journey if I just open myself up to it. Yeah, I feel like I can relate to you on, on a bunch of those things like being in the corporate world and then also having this other side of you that's very interested in things that are a little bit more, I guess, esoteric in their nature. And you mentioned that your later work is guided 
And do you feel like, and I hate to put labels on things like this because they're so hard to <laughs> right. to know. They define but, us if we're not careful, right? Yeah, right. yeah. And so I'm, I wonder, is this coming from the source? Like, what what would you say this is coming from, from your higher self or from other entities? Or, or what is it? Well, that's a great question. This is obviously all my perspective, right? But I go into these questions. One of the more interesting things that I've found when I'm writing these books is when I get into the proper frame of mind, if I ask a question, I'm given an answer. Is it a quote unquote true answer? I don't know. It feels true to me. It feels right to me. And so I write it. So I asked that question one time, what is this information and where is it coming from? Because it's beyond my level of consciousness. Some of the things that come through, it's not something that Bill Wallace could actually sit down and type and, and generate so I was told a couple of interesting things. Part of it is from my higher self. Part of it is from what I'm told is some fairly high level beings that take turns writing certain chapters for me or with me kind of cooperatively. One being will have a particular interest in writing one chapter and one being will have a particular interest in writing another chapter. And sometimes they collaborate. So I found that really interesting. Is it true? I don't know. It's what I get and it feels right. And I go with it and it seems to work in terms of how I write the books and how they unfold. But yeah, that's a really interesting question, one that I've asked very, very oftentimes myself. Do you sense and feel them differently when a different being comes in? Because I notice when I'm channeling different beings, but it might just be the way that I experience because I don't really see them, but they sort of try to teach me to know them by their energy signature. Yes, yes. Like how I sense and yes. feel them or where or whatnot. Is it it's, something it's like a different, that for you? It's a different energy signature. Some are more direct and focused. Some are a bit more effusive and kind of open. Sometimes they seem to collaborate with one another and bring the energies through. But yes, it's there. This to me, at least, it seems to be very different energy signatures, and they're all very profound. And they seem to interact with me in different ways a little bit. But yes, that is how I experience it. I'm curious because I know a lot of people, like Tim was saying, I know a lot of our listeners will really relate to you trying to balance this material world or the corporate world or because I know for myself that I couldn't do it. I was just like, I got into the corporate world. And right. I was like, oh, this, this doesn't match me. I can't do this. I'm out of here. And yet other people that might be their path that might actually give you the opportunity to become very balanced, being able to to balance the material and spiritual world, or other people by necessity might need to stay in the corporate world or the mundane type of work. I know everybody's not necessarily able or wanting to do the kind of work that I do, but do you have any like tools or tips for people who struggle with that balance of working in a totally different environment than these spiritual principles that we are aware of? My gosh, that's a great question. One that I've addressed internally many times over the years. So for several years, I was kind of entrained in corporate America and my ego self said, oh, this is great. I'm successful. I make a lot of money. I'm on the right track. But about 30 years ago, I began to get restless. And I thought, well, yeah, this is interesting. And I kind of needed to do it by necessity. We all have to make a living. And I was good at it. It was something I could do well. And so I continued on that, but I started opening up other aspects of myself. And I found that being the corporate world in a way kind of acted as a bit of a waveguide or a channel to kind of force me to experience certain things that perhaps I would not have wanted to do, but it was really ultimately very beneficial for me. I had to look at some of my own ego-based issues that I had that are rampant in corporate America. And when I dealt with them in corporate America, I was reflecting an aspect of my own ego that I hadn't cleared. And ego was all over in corporate America, and I was not immune to that. And still not to a certain degree, right? But I thought it was really good for me because as I moved through making a living and running forecasts and managing teams and making numbers and just all the things that we have to do with the pressure of corporate America today. It kind of forced me to look at this ego expression in a more holistic way and soften it a bit and see people a bit more compassionately and see who they really are. And once I was able to see them a little bit more compassionately, I could almost see myself a bit more compassionately and accept myself. So it kind of forced me to find a balance that I'm not sure I would have found otherwise, in all honesty. And I thought it was, even though it's been a struggle at times, I think it was kind of a blessing if I look back on it now. Yeah, I think that's well put. A lot of people can relate to that. And I think our soul has a way of, of guiding us into those situations. I don't know how that works, but sometimes <laughs> you'll find yourself in a situation where 
it literally couldn't have happened any other way for you to see yourself like that. And yes, I, that's true. it's so weird how, and it can happen just so regularly yeah. too. Yeah. I think that's fascinating. So your messages that come through, are there themes that are playing out in those messages? Are, are there things that are happening right now that relate directly to what's being told to you through these or that you're writing down through these messages? Is there something in particular now that we're going through that these messages talk about or are they more generalized? Oh, great question, Tim. Thanks. The answer is yes. What I get is kind of a common theme in all of the, the works that come through. And the theme is one of, I guess to summarize, Earth is a school. Our souls chose this environment, this school, to uh, expose ourselves to profound learning. To learning that we can't have in the higher planes simply because in an earthbound physical body, we are quote unquote constrained within our current level of consciousness. And we kind of are forced to go through certain lessons that we might not want to go through if we had the ability to kind of obviate our constraints or our difficulties. So we choose this lifetime. We choose these experiences to go through and learn things that are fairly profound. And we've done so in my belief system, hundreds or perhaps even thousands of times, depending upon how many times we've reincarnated. And one of the messages that I'm getting right now is that that this is a pivotal time upon earth, Gaia. And Gaia is awakening, and there's a large aspect of humanity that is collectively awakening. It's a slow process because we've been embedded in illusions for millennia, and that's been part of our learning to go through these illusions, understand what they can teach us, and then awaken from these illusions with an expanded and more aware and compassionate, holistic version of ourself. One of the analogies that I'm given is one from physics, which I found is interesting because I was pondering this one time when I was writing a chapter and the analogy that I got was think of electricity and electric motor. If there is no resistance, no load in the circuit, there's no work being done in the higher realms. There's no real spiritual work being done because it's too easy. Things come to us very quickly. It's all light and love and happiness and beauty. And there's no difficult situations or needing to make a a house payment or sickness or relationship issues or job issues or whatever. It's all pretty easy. Down here, we have to go through these things in a real constrained physical form and deal with these issues and still try to find our love, still trying to find our peace and just seat with these things and try to become kind of the observer, observing these things and yet participating in them in the fullness of humanity and embracing our humanity and the fullness of our experience. So we, we have a load down here. We're doing real quote work because there's at times resistance in a human form. There are societal issues. There's personal issues. We all have our ego issues. We're forced to make a living. We're, we're required to make a living. Is That's why we chose this existence because we came down here to put ourselves in these circumstances where we went through these things and learned. We learn through the difficulties that we're confronted with. And right now, this is about to eventuate. And what I see is a a pivotal period coming up starting actually this fall. There's kind of a transition, an energetic awakening that I feel is starting fairly soon in terms of awareness, seeing things as they truly are, kind of looking behind the illusion for those that are ready to look at that. Not everybody is going to be ready to look at these things, which is fine. I mean, everybody has their own curriculum and everybody has their own timing of awakening. And it's not up to me or anybody else to say, okay, this is what you should learn. That's their own personal choice. And that's only known to them and their souls, their higher selves. I don't know what anyone's curriculum is. I have a hard enough time figuring out my own, right? So I just have to hold space for myself and try to energetically kind of move myself higher to act as a higher level of resonance. So perhaps it's useful to other people. Perhaps it's not as I go through this process of trying to clear my own energies. And I think that that's what we're doing right now. This is a pivotal time kind of in the history of Earth. As we move forward, this is the time over the next, I'm getting the next 30 or 40 years that Earth is going to transition to kind of a higher dimension, a higher frequency, a higher version of herself. And the often used and sometimes overused phrase of light and love. But that kind of encapsulates what we're doing is we're moving forward in a higher, more energetic, holistic resonance. Now, this resonance is probably not going to appeal to everyone because not everybody's ready to move forward. And that's okay. That's their choice. That's their own perfect and and personal curriculum. And it's not up to me or anybody else to determine what that is. That's their soul level choice. And if they're not ready to move forward, that's fine. What that may lead to is a bit of a bifurcation in society where the more aware and awake people may go forward on one path and the other people who are not ready to move forward go on on their separate path, kind of continuing illusion. And that's actually fine. Part of the soul's choice, and that's part of the source's plan for us all. One of the things that I'm told is we have to be careful 
And as this transition or bifurcation uh, continues and starts this fall over the next several years, is to not buy into polarized narratives. There'll be a lot of polarized narrative being proffered by various groups. And all that does is keep us apart. And it, not only does it retard the collective awakening, it retards our individual awakening. And so, and I struggle with that. Sometimes I get polarized. Say, oh my gosh, how can that person say this? Or how can that group be doing that? And then I step back and say, well, that's my ego talking. And I just need to understand that's just a polarized narrative expressing and just let it go away and float away and just observe it. And the more often I'm able to do that and just realize it's this polarity expressing out of my ego, the easier it becomes to attenuate. And I think that's the challenge that a lot of us will be faced with this fall and over the coming years is to not attach the polarized narratives that'll be proffered by very, uh, various groups of people as we start this awakening process. But it's a very interesting time, and I'm very excited about it. I think good things await us, honestly. What are some of these illusions that you feel people will be awakening to? I guess one is like you're saying that there is sort of this false polarity in that we need to choose sides kind of thing. That's a big one. Are there other kind of big illusions that you see people waking up to this fall? I do. I see the beginning of that this fall. I might language it a little bit differently. I don't know that I would say, quote, choose sides. I would just say kind of energetically resonate what feels comfortable with us. And the verbiage choosing sides kind of has a polaric connotation. And my view is that we don't, quote, choose sides. We just align with what feels right for us energetically and hold space and love ourselves and love people, which has been a personal struggle of mine, in all honesty. Sometimes I was like, oh my gosh, how could you think that? Can't you see what's staring in the face? And then I step back and say, well, they're perfect where they are. But some of the illusions that I've dealt with, and that I think that others may be dealing with, is the fact that to a large extent, our media is kind of controlled. There are interlocking agendas that kind of push out a narrative towards the media. And this is the messaging that we're being conditioned to believe. And it's kind of all inclusive. All the media moves in lockstep. They kind of have the same talking points. If you run the chain, and I wrote a book about this, Awakening Our Discernment. If you run the chain on this, they're all controlled by the same groups behind the scenes and the same money centers because there's a certain message they want to push out to kind of make us more subservient to the narratives they're trying to push. And one of the things that I thought, it's kind of curious, why is that? I mean, what's going on with that? What's the point of trying to control us or push certain narratives? Well, my own personal view and what I've been given is that there are certain forces, both incarnate and disincarnate, lots of people, lots of powerful individuals and certain disincarnate energies that kind of want to control this earth plane had been controlling and trying to retard our awakening for a long time millennia, in fact. And so you question, why is that? What's the point? In free will universes like this one, we're all given choices. And we were given the choice to come down here and be embedded in an illusion, a particularly poignant and sometimes very deep illusion. Certain entities and certain energies came down here and became embedded in this illusion and got lost in it. They forgot who they were. They forgot their connection to source. And in free will universes, that's allowed. But we're kind of living through the repercussions of that right now. There's been kind of control agendas foisted upon us, very restrictive agendas in terms of the media, what's good for us from a health perspective, from an economic perspective, from a sociological perspective. We've got a group on the quote left and a group on the right, and they're trying to keep us polarized to, to stop us from unifying. And so you say, well, why is that? Well, there's an energy, there's a kind of a collective conscience that's afraid of seeing us become united. Because once we become united, we can see each other in ourselves. I mean, there's really only one consciousness expressing. There are separate fractals of that consciousness in terms of individual beings, you, me, everybody else. But at the highest level, there's only one consciousness expressing the separate fractals. And certain fractals of source who've become very distorted fear that unity because they've lost their own personal connection to source and humanity. They've forgotten who they are. And so they see perhaps that they may be threatened their sense of self, which has become very embedded, they've developed a very strong sense of self, a very strong sense of separation. And so that's kind of how they go through this world. And so they put that sense of separation and self up there very strongly and try to kind of continue that mechanism of control and keeping us in darkness and illusion because they fear our awakening. And for several years, I used to get upset about that. I used to get angry. And then I realized that they're actually doing us a service. They're coming down here and they're anchoring polarization on one aspect to give us a contrast, to show us what, quote, light and darkness is without that contrast. How do we know? How do you know what light is unless you've never experienced darkness? How do you know what true love is or compassion is unless you've never experienced pain or hurt or suffering 
are all these sheddings of love that uh, we're experiencing down here on earth. So actually, these are all blessings. It took me a while to kind of realize that, all the turmoil and deceit and pain and suffering and societal structures that are unfair and unequal and sometimes punishing. On the surface, they're very harsh. And as we experience them as humans, they are indeed harsh. But if we can step back and kind of hold space for that and look at what they're trying to teach us, they can open us up to a greater, more expansive version of ourselves without becoming attached to it so much. Okay, there is suffering, there is pain, there is separation, there is deceit. Sit with it. Love it. It's part of our experience. Then find compassion for ourselves, for the human condition, for collective consciousness as we grow through these things and we expand our heart center and come to a greater, more expansive version of ourselves, their gifts. It took me a while to come to that. I struggled with that for many years, but that's kind of what I got through these messages and my experience of it, if that makes sense. Oh, absolutely. That was so perfectly put. Thank you. That was awesome. I just wanted to say a couple of things here. You mentioned this bifurcation that you feel is underway, where there's the people who are becoming awake, basically, and then there's the ones who are not ready yet, and they're still on their journey towards becoming awake eventually. Right. And I think that's such an interesting concept because I've even read about this in several different places. And and one of the analogies, and I think I may have even said this on a different episode of this podcast, is where uh, I think it was in one of the Dolores Cannon books where one of her clients is saying that as we go through this transition of awakening, that the people who are not ready to awaken yet will just sort of fall away from your life and then you'll lose contact with them. But what is in reality happening is that they're actually in a different world where you've moved, you've progressed and they have not yet. And that's why you don't ever have contact with them again. And you don't want to, you don't need to. And it's because there's this transition happening. And I feel like that is sort of what's going on right now. I feel like we kind of are in the middle of something like that happening and yeah and it's each day you can see it more clearly i think more more pronounced yeah Yeah, more pronounced it's more pronounced pronounced each day yeah yeah and the other thing you said that really struck me was this illusion that on the surface we're seeing one thing especially with situations that are like triggering and then even with individuals we see the surface level of what they are because this is what earth is right we only get to see the surface (laughs) we see on the surface yeah and so but behind Until we that, develop our spiritual eyes. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And then I think when you do develop like that, you are able to see behind it just a little, just enough right. to know like, yeah, there, wait, there is love behind that. No matter how ugly it might look to you, that there is something beautiful and loving behind it. And so, yeah, and that's kind of how I, I choose to see those situations that are very difficult to see there is some love somewhere in that whether whether it's easy for us to see or not it's it's there and you have to kind of stick with that and oh that's a great way to put it that's a great way to put it i mean i I think that and this is my expression my understanding and my feeling and my couch everything that i say is this is just me this is my expression this is how i feel i mean is it absolute truth i don't know is it bill's truth at the moment it is As I evolve, sometimes my truth evolves. I have to say that's been my course. As I evolve, my understanding of truth tends to evolve at times, which is good. I'm not static and none of us are, but that's kind of my understanding. My understanding is that ultimately only love exists, but there are a lot of distortions of love that are allowed to come into being by source in order to experience all aspects of itself. Everything has to be experienced. You don't know light without darkness. You don't know compassion without pain. You don't know truth without deceit. You don't know faith without despair. You don't really know any of the things experiencing them without experiencing their contrast. And so behind all the quote unquote illusory suffering, which seems very real, and we've all experienced our share of that, is a general love that just kind of sits there and waits for us to look at it and embrace the experience, embrace our humanity. And I can say this in sitting here in my apartment in Austin, Texas, where I have plenty to eat and life is good, but I've had my own share of uh, of experiences that have caused me to question that, as many of us have. And I I think that we can look at these experiences and just say, yes, this is sit sit with ourselves, sit with our humanity, sit with our humanness. We're humans down here experiencing a kind of a divine lesson in human form with all the blessings and wonder and emotional ups and downs and limitations of a human body. And when I had health issues, I used to kind of get really upset at that. But Oh my gosh, what a great teacher. 
My health issues are forcing me to pay attention and listen to my body. My relationship issues are forcing me to pay attention to what I'm putting out there. What am I distorting? Am I putting out distortions of love? And oftentimes, if I looked at that, I was, and that was my own learning. One of the things that I had to do was stop judging myself because I used to say, oh my gosh, Bill, how did you make such a big mess of that, right? You knew better, right? But then I came to realize I'm just a human experiencing humanity in all its forms and quote unquote, making mistakes is how I all learn. And so if I hold these energies or quote regrets or judgments of making mistakes, all I'm doing is holding old energy that I've just worked through. It's just old energy, it's lessons of learning. It's all beautiful. It's all beautiful. Our mistakes, our quote hatred, our quote love, our expansiveness, when we get ego possessed, all the things, it's all beautiful. It's just kind of there. So if we can just step back from that and see it and have compassion for ourselves and for others, as we experience these things, truly experience them, it's, it's such a beautiful process. And it's one that I can't always stay seated in. When I have deadlines and I have to make my numbers or I'm having to move people out of the business or deal with difficult situations on a personal level, it's hard to stay seated in that energy. But that's the beauty of it because we come out of balance. We come back in balance. We come out of balance. We come back in balance. And that struggle in defining the balance creates a more perfect version of ourselves that eventually can just sit there and say, oh, this is it. This is balance. This is being in balance. This is falling out of balance and just observing that and experiencing the richness of it without attaching to it too much. And I still struggle with that and I probably will, but it's much more poignant now what I can have that perspective if it makes sense and just looking at it that way, if that makes sense. That's my understanding of it. I really like your balanced perspective in the way that you're sharing things. I've gone through some of those stages as well in my evolution. And I think they're common stages where on the spiritual journey, there's a point maybe where at first it's like, oh, it's all love and light. Right. And oh, there's darkness is an illusion. Right. right. And yet you're needing to like, while we're here in the human experience, embrace that. Like you said, we yes. came in to experience duality and there's a, a a value and a purpose in the dark and the challenges and the struggle and the suffering. And if we can really hold space for that, then we can get the gifts of that. Right. And there's also a stage where then you're like, oh, darkness does exist. And then there's a fear <laughs> stage of that, right? right? There's a, like, right. oh my gosh. Yeah, what's happening? And then, yeah. <laughs> and then hopefully we get to the place of compassion and acceptance right. and understanding of why we're experiencing duality and that the, holding space for both the human and the spiritual, the material and the spiritual, the light and the dark. I think that's the eternal challenge. <laughs> we, <laughs> and we can be aware and we can understand these spiritual concepts, right. but then you're still in our human body having these human, human emotions yeah. and and so forth. And so, yeah, I really appreciate that you bring that perspective. I'm curious. So as this shift is happening with Gaia, and it's also happening for many of us on the planet, and because these systems, as you mentioned, like media and healthcare and education, I don't know that you mentioned that, but I think all of these right. big systems have distortions in them. And so as this shift is happening, what are some of the ways that perhaps you think that these systems might change or what might the new paradigm look like that's more aligned <laughs> with this higher frequency? That's a great question. Years ago, the very first book that I wrote addressed all of that. I was called to write it. And that book was actually written a little bit more out of my own consciousness, but I had a lot of help. But you know, I think that our external reality is just a manifestation of our internal states of consciousness. So once individually and collectively, we raise our levels of consciousness, we will be able to externally manifest newer and more holistic socioeconomic constructs. And I think those constructs will look quite a bit different than the ones we have today. I think the process will be probably three or four decades long. I don't think it's an immediate process. It is a process. It'll take a while. I think it'll be profound, but I think we will be given time to adjust and move towards these new socioeconomic models, spiritual models, educational models, governance models in a more holistic way and in a thoughtful way. I do think that certain people and certain energies will be resistant to that just because their levels of consciousness won't be ready to accept and resonate with these particular new models. But that's okay. Again, that's their choice. That's the level they're on. The analogy I was given, there are third graders and there are PhD students and everybody's loved. You can't differentiate on the goodness or the badness of a third grader 
versus a PhD student. They just are what they are. We've all been third graders. We've all been first graders. It's kind of a judgment to say, okay, they're not as spiritually advanced. They're just who they are, as we are who we are. We're just, we're all reflections of source. And I think as we move through this transition over the coming decades, we will start to resonate higher and have more collaborative socioeconomic systems. I think we'll have more community models of living. I wrote another book about that, actually, in terms of communities, because I was guided to write what that may look like in the future, and I did. In terms of how we live more cooperative lives, our currency systems seem to shift and be, become a bit more holistic, our manufacturing systems, our food production systems, how we relate to one another, how we exchange work, how we exchange energy. We have kind of a, a common knowledge, many of us do, about how we used to live kind of in a cooperative model in either villages or small towns. It's only in the last 150, 200 years that that's been obviated from humanity collectively. We've migrated to these large megacities, but for thousands of years, we lived in a cooperative model for most of humanity's experience. And I think that collective knowledge still resides within humanity, and I think it's going to kind of be offered back to us. I think first, a little bit out of necessity, because some of these current socioeconomic models are going to a little bit decohere over the coming years. And I say that with a cautionary tale is that's not meant to drive fear. That's just to meant to drive awareness that our current models are just not sustainable. They're not sustainable. And again, I wrote some books about that, why they're not sustainable and what that looks like from a financial perspective, from a a currency perspective, from a socioeconomic perspective, from an ecological perspective. One of these sessions, I was kind of in a trance and I got what I thought was the energy of Gaia coming through and saying, let's talk about this and partner with one another and with humanity as a collective and talk about what this looks like. And that was kind of the genesis of again one of these books. And it was very partnering and holistic and loving. But I was told that the transitionary period is going to be a little bit challenging because these old social structures are deeply embedded, deeply embedded in everywhere, in our financial lives, in our socioeconomic lives, in our political lives, in our spiritual lives, in our theological lives. And there's going to be a lot of resistance because that fossilized energy has been fossilized for a long time. So we're going to be lovingly offered the opportunity to kind of break these up. And I'm told that Gaia is going to assist with anomalous weather and geological shifting and other things that are just starting to eventuate, if you notice, the past couple of months. And that's being done out of love and the fact that she needs to move forward and her children that are ready are going to move forward with her. And the ones that are ready will be offered other opportunities and as many times as they need in other schools and other settings. It's all kind of perfect, but there's still going to be a little bit of shock to people who are not energetically ready to kind of seek this new awareness and this new consciousness and these new realities in terms of cooperative models of living, sharing community-based models of living, economies of abundance versus economies of scarcity. We've been embedded in economies of scarcity for several years. Gaia wants to help move us towards economies of abundance and methodologies of abundance. And there are ways to do that. In my, quote, spare time, I have an organic farm and ranch that I try to maintain in the drought-stricken territory of Central Texas. And it's been a challenge, but I'm learning to try to grow my own food and raise livestock and live more holistically. And it's been a little bit of a struggle because I start out and make a lot of mistakes. And sometimes the drought and 120 degree temperatures and lack of rain don't cooperate, but I kind of find a way through it. And I think this is going to become more topical over the coming years, community living, food security, eating, consuming locally grown foods, farmers markets, I think things like this will eventuate. And I think that the very, very large megacities that kind of predominate today maybe become a little bit less desirable to live in because some of these distortions will start to break down. The socioeconomic models that sustain them will start to break down. And we'll be given time to adjust gradually. So the people that realize this is not for me, I want to go out and have a more holistic lifestyle, we'll have time to do that. It's not going to be this abrupt knife edge shut off. But if people want to remain embedded in those kind of distorted and kind of polaric, because that's fine. Their lifestyles and living arrangements in future may become a little bit more difficult and constrained because that's just how things eventuate. But no judgment on that. There's no judgment in any of this. This is kind of how all we choose to experience these things as we move forward. I mean, great question. That's kind of how I see it. Yeah. And I feel like that's kind of the way that a lot of us are feeling that it will happen. I think if you're paying attention to your own thoughts, to where, at least for me, there have been many, many times recently where my mind will just naturally go to those places of like, oh, what is it going to be like to live in a city when <laughs> things are becoming more difficult? Breaking down. Yeah. Right. <laughs> or you start thinking about like, what would it be like to be in the country or what would it... And I think if you're paying attention, like those thoughts are not coming from nowhere. 
they're coming from somewhere, right? So whether it's collectively, we're kind of feeling this, we're perceiving something that maybe is to come, but they're coming and I feel them. And I think about those kind of things like resource availability, like all those kind of earth bound things. Yeah. Earthly. Yeah. Like things that we have to consider being here on the planet in these bodies. Um, (laughs) Being in human form, we have to look at that stuff. That's part of our learning, right? We have to be a bit focused in terms of our physical plane existence. And that's actually kind of a wonderful waveguide or learning experience that we're offered because it can help drive more collective expressions of ourselves and opening ourselves up to community and love a little bit. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, th- that was kind of my point is like, if you're feeling it, then there probably is some thing inside of you telling right. you, like giving you some sort of guidance there and that you there's should, some reason for that. Yeah. There's, there's some reason for that. Yeah. And that you should listen to that. And when I hear about someone like you, who's actually taking steps to go out and, and do this and figure out what it's like, that's really encouraging because then I, I feel like, oh, I'm not crazy. Like people are actually doing this. They're not just thinking about it. Right. So yeah. Oh, I and, enjoy and, it. Yeah. And I feel like it is a healthy way to be because you are generally more connected to nature and what's happening around you. Whereas I think we, when we get into a city life, you can really get lost in it and caught up in the mind part of oh, it. The, we, we can lose our connection in the city so easily if we're not careful, as I've found. Yeah. As I've found. Yes. And, and a lot of people get lost like that. And especially with our technology, we, we really go deep into our, our mind we're thinking and thinking and thinking, and then it's really like makes us, it takes over our whole identity. And yeah. then we lose that connection to spirit and then the, the earthly realms and just all the things that we came here to experience, we, we kind of get lost in our little mind games. And I feel like there's eventually, and especially with the younger generations, I feel a concern for them because they're really affected by these the phones and the computers and the internet and the, everything that just hits them. They didn't come from a time like where <laughs> right. we did, where that stuff wasn't even here. Right. Like, I was born before there was such a thing as the internet. And then when they get here... It's all up and running. Everything's right. going and that they just get thrown into it. And I just wonder, like, are they and maybe that's just me. Maybe that generation, maybe they already reincarnated and they experience earthly lives and fine. They know what that's like and they want to go into the mind. But I don't know. I just feel concerned that maybe they'll be. I don't know if you can hear my cat, but he decided he decided I, I to, he decided to chime in yeah. right then. Yeah. But maybe he's concerned, too. He agreed. He put some energy out. There. Said, yes, he agreed. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I guess that's one thing. It's like we, we tend to do that. We think like our experience should be what their experience is, but it doesn't right. have to be that way. I actually have mixed feelings about that because I, had, I do have a lot of optimism about the future generations. I feel like they're coming in with a lot of energy, high energy, and they're much more accepting of things and people than, than we are. And so, oh, so that's the, so true. That's yeah. so true. There's some energy coming in in young physical form, very old soul form that are actually going to be leaders and they're going to seem wise beyond the years. I've already encountered some of that energy and it's really impressive because the timing is right now. But to your earlier point, I kind of think about that myself too, because of course, everybody's younger than me, but any of the very young generation, they can at times become socially isolated and they can become a little bit misled energetically and polarized on social media or interaction via phones or computers or whatever, which, I mean, it's kind of a two-edged sword. You get exposed to knowledge in a broad context, but you can really kind of limit your personal interaction and seeing one another and interacting with them as, as a true being and not behind the facade of a social media persona that's kind of put out ego-based illusions that when you're young, you fall for. If I was a teenager centuries ago, no, many, many years ago, I probably would have been swept up in those same illusions, right? It's very seductive. So how do you stay out of that? And I think it's a balance. I think that everybody has to hold space and compassion for those individuals. I think they'll find their way through it, as we all will. I think that it may cause a little bit of a challenge in certain areas, but I have faith. I've tended to become much more optimistic the older I get, which is a good thing. In my earlier years, I could see all this stuff and I was a little bit gloom and doom. Then I stepped back and say, wait a minute, this is beautiful. This is a beautiful unfolding. We're all going to be exposed to this beautiful unfolding in all its, quote, terrible beauty. 
It's just going to be wonderful and awesome and at times fearful at the same time, but it's us, it's humanity. And I think the younger generation, again, they may have some issues to move through in terms of division and polarization and lack of human connectivity, but it may also cause a little bit of a rebound as they realize they've kind of lost that perspective and seek eventually to reestablish that connection with self and with others. So I'm cautiously optimistic about that, but I do share your concerns a little bit there. I guess most of the advice is to find a balance and to see the higher purpose and to move into our heart center. And then, of course, you also mentioned maybe being more local and connecting with local communities and resources. Any other suggestions that might help people in the upcoming 30 to 40 years of major shift and transformation that you want to share with us? Oh, what a great question. I think some of the things have been really relevant to me and they may be relevant to other people as well, because all the things that I talk about are very personally relevant because I've had to move through all these issues and still moving through them in my own life, in my own walk. One of the things that I find is don't take myself too seriously, which sometimes I tend to do, right? Kind of sit back and just have a different perspective. The other thing that I kind of found is that everything's going to turn out okay, ultimately. And I kind of have to sit with that. Because sometimes we're faced with these earth plane issues and it becomes a little bit hard to find perspective. I've lost a job. I have personal issues or family issues, or I have financial difficulty, or there are geological issues, or sorry, my dog is wanting my attention. All kinds of things and distortions that come across. And it's hard to maintain that perspective at times. So what I I do is I just step back and I just kind of try to understand that at an ultimate level, I ask for this experience. I ask for this learning and I ask for the profundity. And if I'm open to it, I realize that I'm supported and I have energies around me that are helping me through this. And it's all really perfect. It's all part of our terrible, beautiful experience down here that we're experiencing. And again, I don't say this trivially because some of these challenges in the earth body can be hard to go through. I've experienced a lot of challenges. I've had health issues and had to work in you know corporate America for decades and just all the things we all have to do. But if I sit back and just kind of try to be a bit more expansive and just try to observe this a little bit and not attach to it, I find that it just has a wonderful beauty unfolding. And for me personally, it's taken me a long time to get to that point. I think that there are other beings, energies to Tim's point. I think that some of the children that are going coming through, you get to that point immediately because they're not embedded. They're a little bit higher vibrating and resonant souls. And I think in some ways they might be able to help us make this transition over the next 30 or 40 years. I think you're going to see some amazing things. So my advice is just for me personally, I don't know if it's relevant to other people, but for me personally is to just kind of breathe and sit back and acknowledge my humanity, acknowledge the quote, good, the bad, the ugly, the perfect, the imperfect is it, acknowledge all of it. And to find that balance point, just accept it and be thankful and grateful that I'm here to experience it. I'm here to be able to accept these experiences, the quote unquote hard ones and the polaric ones, and just learn what they're trying to teach me and seat their wonderfulness in my soul. And then try to resonate that energy and love and acceptance, both internally, which I struggle with sometimes, and then outward as an energetic template that resonates in the collective. As more and more of us become awake, the collective consciousness of humanity starts to resonate and vibrate higher. And once that resonance is a pure and higher and, and, and more resonant in form, then it becomes easier to eventuate a mass awakening and a mass shift in consciousness. And then we can move through these changes to come more holistically without some of the more, more polarized outcomes. Everything is probabilities. I see about a 60 to 65 or 70% probability of moving through the transitions more holistically over the coming decades. There's still a 20 or 25 or 30% chance of a quote unquote bad or more difficult outcome. But I see as more and more of us awaken, we can shift that probability of a good outcome into the high 80s or even low 90s, which is really good. And I see that happening now because collectively, there are a lot of individuals and entities that have come down here and said, all right, I want to make a difference. I want to grow my own consciousness, see it at higher levels, and then seat that higher level consciousness in the collective and affect a more holistic shift of Gaia of our socioeconomic structures, of humanity as a whole, and hold space and love for the individuals who are not ready yet because they're perfect just like we are in our imperfection. Everything and everybody is perfect. And that's one of the things that I've struggled to see. I mean, I know this intellectually, but I've struggled to seat this into my center chakras. And once I do, it just it's, it's so freeing because I don't attach to all these preconceptions and illusions that I had for many, many years. I mean, I find that part of this process wonderful, actually. 
it's very freeing. What are your thoughts about the masculine energy on the planet? <laughs> with, two, with two men, um, the masculine energy on the planet kind of waking up. Because I think at least in my lifetime, when I look back and then in the work that I do, it has been more predominantly the feminine that were doing the spiritual work or showing up at the spiritual events or in the spiritual right. community. And I've seen a shift as more men are are coming on board. And so having two men here today, I want to ask, yeah, what is your perception on that? Oh, what a great question. That's a perfect question. I had that question myself a few years ago and I didn't really understand it. And so I asked it and I wrote about it, right? <laughs> I wrote it about it in one of my books, but what I perceive it, and this is again, my perspective is that for millennia, the masculine expression upon earth has been predominant, overdominant, right? It's been unbalanced. And it's led us into these very polaric expressions of division and wars and strife and organizational structures that are very masculine in nature. It's not that masculine is bad. Masculine is perfect, just as is feminine is perfect. It's when masculine comes out of balance with the feminine that we get these distortions. And so the masculine energy expressing upon earth, in my perspective, has been out of balance for a long time. And as a result, it's caused a lot of these polaric narratives that we've had to navigate over the years. What I'm seeing now is a rebalancing of the masculine and feminine and recognizing they're both aspects of our higher self. Our higher self is not masculine or feminine. We take on masculine and feminine expressions in order to explore different versions of ourselves and explore the polaric nature of source and of earth and of the universe. But at our core, what we do is we have a masculine and a feminine expression, and we learn to integrate these things in a more balanced and holistic way. The masculine needs the feminine as a nurturing aspect of itself and the feminine needs the masculine is a more projecting and forceful version to both expand and explore ourselves in the universe and then integrate those expansions and those experiences and those explorations. So I, I think you're seeing the masculine energy start to recognize this to a certain extent and realize that it needs to come in contact with the more feminine expressions of its energy. And that's not necessarily a gender expression. Males and females both have masculine and feminine aspects. It's almost irrespective of gender, although Masculine energy does tend to predominate in males, but that's a generalization. We all have masculine and feminine aspects, and we're learning to balance those somewhat irrespective of gender. And I'm, I'm seeing a bit of a balance coming through, and it's kind of heartening, right? I think we're starting to move forward and recognize our yin-yang, masculine, feminine aspects, and just integrate that on the dance of, I move forward in the projecting and exp expressive and forceful masculine expression. I come back and have a nurturing aspect of the feminine. And how do I balance that? And I think not all men, but a lot of men are starting to realize that aspect of themselves has gone missing and they're wanting to connect with the fullness of their soul level expression. And I think that's what, at least what I'm feeling. I don't know if you're seeing that, but that's what I'm feeling. Absolutely. I, I couldn't have said it better. That was very well put. But I actually am going to have to run pretty soon. And it looks like the, <laughs> the time is actually really close to being up. So thank you so much for taking the time out of your day to talk with us, Bill. That was oh, really, yeah. really great. Yeah. This and is a great discussion. This is great. Yeah. Yeah. I loved it. And can you please let our listeners know where they can find your books or if they want to find out more about you? Is there anywhere they can go or? Oh, yeah. All of my books are on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, iBooks, all the platforms. My latest book kind of is picked up by a division of Hay House. They're all out there. So you can just, you have to be careful. If you search on Bill Wallace, many times you'll find a children's author from Oklahoma who's very popular. And so you never really get to me, right? But it's best to, to search on titles like Finding Profound Source-Centered Guidance is one title or Awakening Our Discernment or Our Greater Truths. There's a lot of titles out there. Unity Proposition was the first book that I wrote. Another one was Love Letter to the Universe. So it's best just to go to Amazon and search on the titles. Again, if you we'll search by link. author. We'll put a link to okay. your, you. You probably have an Amazon author page. Actually, I don't. I just have a listing of all okay, my Okay, we'll uh, put books. a link yeah. to your listings. You yeah. should create one. It's I probably should. do on Amazon. Probably, yeah. Okay, I'll do that. I didn't even know that. <laughs> well, so again, I'm just kind of doing this because they said write books. I haven't really monetized uh -huh. them. They just said write books. So I'm writing books. I don't even know what it's about, really. I'm just doing it because they asked me to do it. It's kind of a thing. Uh, yeah. Well, also, I'm really thankful for your courage to come today. I know that on my journey and a lot of other people's journeys, the whole kind of like coming out of the spiritual closet, if you have this whole I, corporate life, right. and it's like, oh, when you put yourself out there and now 
anyone can find this podcast and hear <laughs> right. your spiritual ideas that before yeah. you shared distinctly with this person or that person, there's sometimes maybe a little bit of fear around that. And yet it's so freeing. And so I think this is the first step and you probably have lots more podcasts that you'll be on and, and people reaching <laughs> out to want to hear your perspectives. Well, that's interesting because I'm told it's time. And so I'm just trying to open myself up to guidance and have a little bit of faith and trust. I don't know. We'll see. It's a great journey. I love it. Yes. Thank you so much. Thank you all very much. This has been wonderful. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of Beyond the Illusion. I'd like to say thank you very much to Bill Wallace for taking the time to talk with us and for sharing his gifts and knowledge with us. If you'd like to find out more about his books, you can search for him on Amazon. I was able to find one of his books, Finding Profound, Source-Centered Guidance, as one of the top results. I'd also like to make a special announcement. Our guest from Episode 8 of this season, Barbara Wyth, is having a live in-person event on November 10th and 11th in Austin, Texas, where she'll be hosting a channeling event and a conflict revolution workshop. I highly recommend this event, and if you haven't heard the episode with Barbara yet, please check that out as well. It's episode eight of this season. Thanks to everyone that made this podcast possible. Produced and hosted by Tim Howe and Tiana Roser. Music by Casey Henson. For more information about us or to access past episodes, please visit beyondtheillusionpodcast.com. Please remember to subscribe and leave a rating wherever you listen. This really does help other people find us. Thank you and take care. We'll be right back.